I bid you welcome. I want to play a game. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. Let them see what kind of a person I am. Why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. Hey folks, my name is Will. My name is Yaz. And welcome to the Monster Monday podcast. This is the weekly podcast where myself and Yaz talk about a horror film every single episode. And Yaz, why do we talk about horror films? <laughs> Sorry, that just really... The way you say that just really... That's I was, weird. I, was, I don't know, I'm, it didn't sound right. No, it, it didn't feel right to say. I think, <laughs> I think I was grammatically okay. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah, why do we talk about horror films, Yaz? Because the monsters in film... Aren't as scary as the monsters in real life. But this is a special case because, as we all know, Santa is absolutely real. So his shadow, his his, uh, alt- his alternative, is definitely real as well. So that's absolutely the case for all the kids listening to this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Good. There we go. Very convincing. Don't get eaten by Krampus. Exactly, yes. Then that's that's given the game away a little bit. We're talking about... Krampus, the 2015 film written and directed by Michael Doherty, and it's it's kind of good um, good timing for you because a couple of weeks ago, I think we mentioned this in the last episode, we watched his directorial debut, Trick or Treat, which came out in 2007. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, we'll definitely do an episode on that in the near future. But yeah, so we watched that film, and then uh, a couple of weeks later, I finally finally convinced you to be able to talk about this film because I watched this uh, Krampus back in 2015 when it came out. I put it on like one of my best of the year list to, towards the end. I, I I really really like this film. Krampus is something I've wanted to get you to watch for a while, but this film, um, long before Michael Doherty worked on Trick or Treat in the early days of the internet, he got sent an online Christmas card by one of his friends, uh, probably one of those really cheap flash ones that he, he used to get in the early two thousands. But it had Krampus in it, the, who was uh, who's the shadow of Saint Nicholas. And according to Doherty, that was love at first sight, and he wanted to make a film about Krampus ever since then. So after working on Trick or Treat, where he was able to uh, make a name for himself, he decided, I've done Halloween, let's do a horror film about Christmas. So that's how Krampus came into being. Got released in 2015. It was a bit of a box office disappointment, um, but I, I absolutely adored it when I watched it. But yes, as we said before, you hadn't watched this film until no. tonight, before recording. So I'd be very interested in seeing what your reaction to, to Krampus is. But you you didn't even know about like, the legend of Krampus, did you? Yeah, of well, course I've heard well, about Krampus. No. I just didn't know what the legend said. But I've heard yeah. about Krampus and I knew what Krampus looked like. Okay. But before we get started, I guess the, I've, I figured that we'd do this up front. This is our last episode of 2020. We're going to be taking a, couple, uh, a break for a couple of weeks. But, so before we dive into Krampus, just wanted to... Thank all of you folks for, for listening to the episodes and engaging with us for the past like six, seven months since we started it. Yeah, mad, isn't it? I Can't know. believe 2020 is nearly over. It feels like it's gone on forever and it's gone really quick at the same time. Yeah, time means nothing uh, in 2020. So let's. I know it's an arbitrary uh, unit of time and measurement and stuff, but hopefully 2021 is uh, going to be much brighter. But let's break down Krampus. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go 
Take a look in the five and ten, glistening once again with candy canes and silver lanes aglow. The movie opens with Bing Crosby's It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas playing as shoppers stampede a supermarket, leaving destruction in their path as they try to get the best deals leading us into our opening credits. Yeah, I work retail at Christmas and mm. this year's a little bit different. It's not as busy, but it is just generally hell. yeah like we've both worked retail at christmas you you more than me so i i have i have much respect and much sympathy but this film is a very pessimistic view on the holiday season you can tell just from the opening where kind of true oh yeah absolutely i mean it's not as bad over here in terms of we like to queue yeah. over here so you don't really get that kind of stampede effect yeah well there's that um, there's that video from a few years ago when they showed side by side American Black Friday when they'd rush the shop, they'd break it, they like snatch things from people's trolleys and hands, and they they jump over each other and that. But then it compared to British Black Friday, and the supermarket doors opened, and it was just one old man who just like hobbled in and was like, "Hello, everyone." And well, well, Black Friday's not really a huge thing over here, is it? No, it's not. No, they've, um, they've tried to make it a thing over here, but it hasn't really taken. Yeah, it's not really something. But I suppose for Americans, it's a huge lifeline over there. Mm. Because they really slash the prices over there, don't they? Whereas yeah. over here, they up the prices two weeks before Black uh, Friday yes. just to cut them down to the price that they were already on sale at. Yeah, some companies have been sued over that by watchdogs and that. Yeah, but it always happens. It does, yeah. But yeah, so th- this film is a, a very um, a bit of a dour note for the commercialisation of Christmas. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I do like Christmas. I love Christmas, actually. Not as much as Halloween, no. but I do like Christmas. I like giving gifts. I'm a very good gift giver. You are, like you, and you have to be, because I have no idea what I want for Christmas. <laughs> but you've, you've got it figured out. I get a lot of joy giving people the perfect gift. I like finding the perfect gift for somebody and then mm-hmm. seeing them open it and like really enjoying it. Oh, and listeners, Yaz's rapping game is top-notch. You're very good at Christmas wrapping. I'm, I'm terrible. I'm not. I'm oh, really bad at it. Oh, I think you're pretty good at it. You're very, I'm very bad at it. I'm, I'm yeah, very... but that doesn't mean I'm good. Yeah, but by it just com- means I'm better than you. By comparison, they look at my presents and look at your presents, like how we wrap, and they go, oh, yes, yours is so great. And Will, you tried. Also, he bought the worst Christmas paper this year. I see I usually, nothing wrong with it. I usually pick the wrapping paper every year because I've got taste, and... Mm. Will this year because I've been busy at work bought the wrapping paper, and like a tartan pattern. I am not a fan, but it's not a nice tartan. It's a horrible tartan. It's just red and green tartan. It looks like something your grandma would like buy. Folks, hop on the Monster Monday Twitter account. I'm gonna do. A, I'm gonna do a poll. I'm gonna take a photo of the wrapping paper, and we're just gonna and it's put, horrible. And we're gonna put like ho 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 on no no no. Like, yes. let, let me know if which side of the wrapping paper debate you'll land on. No, no, no. Anyway, <laughs> it's going to be a bit weird, isn't it, Christmas this year? We're spending it just us two and the cats. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll see some family and stuff. But we're... Yeah. Cu- Although we might be in tier two soon, which means we can see people. Yes, but if not, we can always pop Zoom on the telly. We can like yes. plug in a cable and... Have, and like that, like they're in the living room with us, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it'll be nice, whatever. But I love Christmas time. It's a chance for us all to get together, and yeah. like the food's amazing. Uh-huh. Like, luckily, we don't really have arguments in our family on Christmas, which is quite nice. Yeah, 
But, um, so yeah, I really like the Christmas time because we don't really have arguments in our family. And mm. like, But I do, every year since I was six, I've had two Christmases. Yes. So it's, you know, it's, and I really enjoy it. Like mm-hmm. we'd always have Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day with mum and have early Christmas dinner mm-hmm. and then we go to dad's for Christmas day and boxing day and do mm-hmm. Christmas all over again so <laughs> yeah, you so know it's amazing yeah, have so, Christmas twice over yeah so you're living like the good version of that Vicar Dibley episode where she has like Christmas dinner <laughs> after Christmas dinner because <laughs> yeah. so, so, my family um uh, they're way too scattered so I can't just like hop from London to Edinburgh to ev- all here, there, and everywhere up and down the map. I can't do that in one day. No, no. It, it's definitely become harder now that we have to have four separate Christmases. Mm. But um, five if we have one on our own. Yeah. But uh, that's why we're not travelling this year, folks. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're then brought to the household of the Engel family with a TV in the background playing the 1951 version of A Christmas Carol starring Alistair Sim. The camera pans over the table to a massive festive spread with Grandma Omi, played by Krista Stadler, making gingerbread men, then in barge the rest of the family having gone to the shopping centre. We've got the father, Tom, played by Adam Scott, mother, Sarah, played by Tony Collette, son, Max, played by MJ Anthony, and daughter, Beth, played by Stephanie Levy-Owen. Mm. Max got into a fight at a nativity recital because another kid said Santa was real. So Max is trying to say that he got into a fight because he didn't want uh, Christmas to be ruined for all the kids there, but uh, he's he's the one who believes in Santa. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, God, I used to think I heard, like, reindeers and bells on the roof. Bloody mad. You're going to write an apology to the rest of your class for ruining the recital. What are you thinking, Max? That kid was twice your size. Yeah, but Pink Kuklinski's always ragging on Christmas. He even told the first graders that Santa was just a cheap marketing ploy and then did to sell Pepsi. Coke. You know what I mean? But not why you care. Well, someone's gonna. Here, let me see. Ow, 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 ow. Yeah, it's not so bad. Just keep icing it. And was drop kicking him into the manger really the best way to handle this? Okay, that was not my fault. I was under the influence. All I had to eat was Christmas fudge and candy canes. When they're alone, Omi asks Max if... That is a tongue twister for me. (laughs) If he's written his letter to Santa yet, but he doesn't know what to write this year. Omi says she still believes in Santa. Idiot. She says that belief <laughs> means belief in the true spirit of the holiday. There we go. So it's, it sounds better when it's like that. <laughs> That's very hostile. Things are stressful because the cousins are about to arrive. Most of the family don't get along. Which Beth explains to her boyfriend over Skype in a bedroom. And he shows off his festive themed bong. Yeah, it was like a snowman bong in the Christmas tree one. It was really great. He suggests to her that she could try and sneak away to visit. But their call is interrupted by the whole house shaking as the cousins arrive in a comically loud car. Just as Max finishes his letter to Santa. Sarah's sister's side of the family arrives with Linda, played by Alison Tolman, her husband Howard, played by David Kochner, Aunt Dorothy, and kids Howie Jr., Stevie, Jordan, and baby Chrissy. 
Oh, and the dog Rosie, played by Thought. This is the cutest fucking dog. Cute little bulldog. I want Rosie. Rosie's yeah. adorable. Um, yeah, very affectionate dogs as well, bulldogs. Lovely. Everyone's at the dinner table with the extended family, continually antagonising the Engels. Tensions start rising as Stevie and Jordan start bullying Max by saying that Santa's dead and revealing they've stolen his letter to Santa and read it aloud at the dinner table. That's me. That is... If he wants to believe in Santa, let him. Well, it's, it's, it's actually a nice scene because the, the letter is saying, like, I wish my cousins and my extended family were, like, happy this year. But the, the ultimate owned moment is saying, uh, out, um, is that in the letter, he says, I, I wish that um, uh, Howie, the, the dad, didn't wish that his daughters were boys. Because um, the two girls, he's got two daughters, but he's like dressed them up in boys' clothes, has given them boys' names, got, got them really invested into sports, which, you know, girls can do. Which I, but it's Oh, in... good, I'm, I'm glad, I'm oh, glad I... you clarified that. Yeah, the, yeah the, girls, you have my approval to do sports. Um, you have my you have my permission, which I'm sure you are after. Uh, but yeah, it's clear that um, Howard wanted, uh, wanted a bunch of sons. Here we go, Maxie's wish list. Stevie, stop, that's enough. Wait, you're up first, Beth. I wish me and Beth could hang out like we used to. You might have noticed that I don't have tons of friends. Oh no, really, Max? I wish my mom and dad could fall in love again. I know they get upset a lot with dad away from home so much. I think they really just miss each other. (laughs) Also, I wish things weren't so hard for Uncle Howard and Aunt Linda. So maybe you can lend them a hand the rest of the year, too. And... And that. Screw you! Dad does not wish we were a boy! The kids start fighting, but he manages to get his letter back and tells his family he hates them all. Yeah, fair enough. Mm. In his bedroom, Max's dad comes upstairs to try and talk to him about trying to see the good in people and family you don't like during this time of year. I'm not being funny. This is one of the things I've got a bone to pick with. Nothing tells you you have to like your family. Mm-hmm. You can love them, but maybe they're all a bunch of f***s yeah. and you don't want anything to do with them. And that is okay. Stop trying to force this narrative that you have to like your family because mm-hmm. they're family. Because mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but a lot of families are very damaging and very horrible. Mm-hmm. So just get rid of them. Make your own family. Mm. I, I think that uh, even, even the dad uh, kind of finds it difficult to make this argument as well because where he's because uh max says why do we have to hang out just because they're family and he's like yep you've got a point um so he, he tries to try and he tries to find a moral he tries to find a message by saying you know maybe in christmas we try and find the good in people but i, I think adam scott's really good in this role. this is the first time i saw oh, him so what is it about christmas you've got to try and find the good in people like why why just at christmas time it's like that's bullshit. Like, it's, why can't um, you just be nice to people all year round? It's the culturally mandated time when we have to hang out with each other. I it's guess bollocks. That's <laughs> what it is. He leaves, and Max puts his letter in the envelope addressed to Santa before changing his mind, ripping it up and throwing it out the window, where it flutters away. Unbeknownst to the family, a dark storm cloud is gathered over the house, and a blizzard consumes the entire neighbourhood. The next day, December 23rd, Max wakes up to find the garden covered in snow and a creepy-looking snowman outside. The house has lost power and the family try to remain calm. Twelve people in the house with no heat, water or or electricity. Right, 
don't laugh at me, mm-hmm. American audience mm-hmm. listeners. All two of you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the numbers. Um, but do Americans have central heating? Now, because you never see them turn the radiators on anywhere. No, that's a point. I think that it's more... Um, like, they always, they've always just got fires. See, air conditioning is way more prevalent. Like Air conditioning is built into like every house in America, or most houses in America. So, so I imagine that has a warm setting. But you do, in media at least, you do tend to see more fireplaces and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, but if you've only got fire, it doesn't warm up the whole house. So why aren't they just freezing? It depends on how the fireplace is structured, because it goes up and sometimes it's got pipes that go around the house to like heat up the flooring. But yeah, it depends. Mm. I think it depends on how new and modern your house is. Phones are also dead, and the neighbours are also on holiday. Oh, that's convenient. Yeah, well, but there, there is one neighbour who is in. But ever since the spaghetti incident, I think that's what they call it, uh, Max's spaghetti incident, they're not on speaking terms anymore, <laughs> so they can't go to them for help. Did I ever tell you the Christmas in two thousand and six when uh, the village that uh, we were in, some like half of the houses in the village lost power? And we had to cook our turkey in the neighbour's oven. We had to bring it across the road and get that sorted out. Did Krampus visit? Uh, he did. We saw, well, I saw something on the roof. Oh. Uh, yeah, something with massive horns and great big jaws. Yeah. I think it was after the turkey, though. A delivery man turns up to drop... Actually, I've got a question, another question for the audience. Um, this may sound stupid, mm-hmm. but obviously Americans have Thanksgiving and they have turkey then. So what do you eat? What do they eat for Christmas? I think they have turkey again, don't they? Really? I, they can have goose. But they don't have gravy like we have gravy over here, do they? Like the brown liquidy gravy. Yeah, so what do they have with it? Do they just like lather cranberry juice? Not cranberry juice, cranberry sauce and stuff I don't like. know. I mean, someone could have cranberry Just dip your turkey leg into some cranberry juice. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what, what they... do they eat? I don't know what they do to make it all wet. They have a lot of potato salad, don't they? They do. Potato mac sal- and cheese. Yeah, mac and cheese, potato salad. Um, while you're reading the plot, I'm going to find out what the like American Christmas dinner is. And okay. Then, yeah, let's go for it. A delivery man turns up to drop off some shopping with Linda signing off on it and also discovering numerous other presents left on the doorstep but with no idea who delivered them. Best boyfriend isn't responding to texts so with the permission of her parents she goes across the road to see if he's okay and if anyone else has power. Meanwhile, Grandma Omi, being resourceful and awesome, has managed to use the fireplace to make hot chocolate for everyone. I like Omi. Why is she like a lot older than... Like Aunt Dorothy and that. Not sure, but she has to be at least in her eighties. Like yeah, late she 80s. looks really old, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, she has to be in her eighties because of the story she tells later. Yeah, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, but because she's awesome and resourceful, she knows how to make hot chocolate over the fire. Uh, and also, I have double checked, so I've got people saying, like online on Quora or whatever that question answer website is, that there's a lot of overlap between Thanksgiving meals and Christmas meals, um, and yeah, so. Uh, you can also have like uh, cooked ham you can do ham at Christmas as well that's an alternative but they do have gravy in America they have it for Christmas what like the brown gravy yeah well I'm I'm assuming because I so. thought they called gravy somewhere else because you know when they have biscuits and gravy we would picture like a, bo- a bourbon biscuit mm. or a custard cream with like brown bisto gravy on it but it's not is it over there yeah so it must be something either they do have that gravy with turkey or they have something else 
don't know. Yeah, you, you, folks, you, you might need to fill us in on this. What do you have for Thanksgiving and for Christmas? And, like, is your gravy brown? It's like an episode of The Simpsons. Which way does the water flush in your toilet? Beth is struggling to navigate the blizzard outside but finds the entire neighbourhood frozen over. As she continues down the street, the sun goes away and she can hear giggling with sleigh bells in the distance. On a roof nearby, she spots a massive cloak shape which is leaping from rooftop to rooftop. She screams and it gives chase. She finds the delivery man's truck but he's dead and frozen solid in the driver's seat. Beth hides under the truck as the massive creature lands nearby and starts circling the vehicle. It leaps away and Beth thinks she's safe. Oh, rookie Ooh. mistake. But this whole chase is awesome though. Like she's running down the street and in the shot behind her it's jumping from roof to roof. And it's this it's not remotely graceful but it's this massive hulking creature. It's, it looks really cool. She turns around to see a winding music box next to her playing Silent Night. It stops bursts open and something starts slowly rising out of it. Beth screams and we cut back to the Engel household. We think Beth hasn't returned because she's at Derek's. Mm. Tom and Howard agree to head out to search for her, but Omi tries to talk them out of it. But they head out in Howard's truck. On their drive out, they find an abandoned snowplow with its emergency lights still on and unopened Christmas presents in the front seat. The windscreen has also been smashed, having been broken from the outside. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, Howard packed weapons in the truck and they go and search for Beth, arriving at her boyfriend's house to find the door open and the hallway frozen. There are Christmas presents scattered around and a gingerbread fridge magnet on the fridge with a knife plunged through it. <laughs> Their fireplace has also been forced through with a large hoof print in front of it. Beth's screams can be heard in the garden, so the two follow it outside. They're wading through knee-high snow and something under the surface starts biting and dragging Howard. But Tom manages to shoot it and it runs away. They return to Howard's car to find it destroyed and on fire. Back at the house, Sarah and Linda are reminiscing over their mother, but are interrupted by the sound of light footsteps upstairs, followed by a loud bang though they try and shrug it off as squirrels. Howard and Tom return, and they try to tend to Howard's wounds. They try not to scare and upset the family, so they get the kids and Aunt Dorothy out of the living room, along with Omi, who is asked to leave as well, who tells them to make sure the fire stays hot. Howard and Tom explain the situation and that they can't escape with the plan to board up the windows until the weather clears. Howard thanks Tom for saving him and apologises for thinking he was a spineless dick. While Howard promises to stay up and keep watch, everyone falls asleep in the living room as the last few embers on the fireplace start going out. That would be you. What, falling I'll asleep? Stay, yeah, I'll stay awake <laughs> and make sure the fire doesn't go out and the next minute we know like, we're all being bloody dragged away. Mm-hmm. We'll never leave him will to guard the fire it again. Depends if I've had a Christmas meal beforehand. <laughs> Giggling and high-pitched noises start coming from the fireplace and a large metal hook on a chain descends into view with a gingerbread man on the end. Howie Jr. wakes up and sees the sweet candy and bites into their head. I'm not being funny, but this was the worst bit of the whole film. Your your reaction was nearly violent when (laughs) when watching this thing. And I I don't blame you because I didn't realise it until you pointed it out. 
It was air. It made my mouth go funny. It wasn't like a gingerbread. He bit into it and it was like bloody sponge. Yeah. And it just made me go all really funny. Gingerbread men's rock hard. It yeah. was like... It was weird. Well, there yeah. was no crunch. And it was like... It was like, yeah, it was It was like sponge cake. But like, not like a sponge cake. No, it's like an actual sponge. Like somebody biting into a foam it, sponge. It was like um, biting into a Twinkie. Only for the gingerbread man to come alive. Ah. Horrified at having been eaten. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and ties fun. Howie Jr. up in the chain. And he starts getting dragged up the chimney. Yeah, let him go. <laughs> yeah, Howie Jr. has just been that like weird, silent Sir, kid. And... Serves him right for eating something he shouldn't have done. Yeah. <laughs> let him go. His screams awaken the family who grab him by the legs and try to bring him back down. In the struggle, they kick a fire log towards the tree and set their presents on fire. I shouldn't laugh, but it was really funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They put the fire out in the living room, but Howard Jr. gets taken. It's kind of like when things are so bad, it's just really funny. Oh, yeah. Because if you don't laugh, you'll just cry at everything. Yeah, it's, it circles back round from like horrifying to funny to horrifying again. Yeah. Howard blames himself, but Omi explains that it's everyone's fault and he's come for them all. <laughs> in English, Omi tells them a story of why she still believes in Santa and why she acts so strange around Christmas. In a stop-motion animated flashback, Omi ta- talks about a Christmas when she was a child in Germany, where her village and her family had lost their Christmas spirit. Not being funny, but that makes me think of the war. I'm not surprised they lost the Christmas spirit. Yeah, it's not confirmed, but I'm going to assume that it is set in 1940s Germany. Yeah, where and... Russians were like next to nothing. Yeah, and I imagine German people were not... Very happy during that time. No, but yes, yeah, so I'm. I, I, I'm guessing that's when. Or this maybe just is after set. when their country was decimated. Yeah. And, e- either yeah. way, it's wartime or war related. And her wish for her family to be gone had come true. Everybody yeah. was. Everyone was selfish and brought and like yeah. I'm not being funny, but in difficult times, it is like that. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, she's a kid. She don't know. I no. won't hold it against her. Mm-hmm. She was visited not by Saint Nick. But his shadow, Krampus. Krampus. I knew St. Nicholas was not coming this year. Instead, it was a much darker, more ancient spirit. The shadow of St. Nicholas. It was Krampus. As he had for thousands of years. Krampus came not to reward, but to punish. Not to give, but to take. He and his helpers took her family into the underworld and left her alive as a reminder of when hope is lost and left her a bell bauble. Which she shows the family as she still kept hold of it. I I love this sequence. Like it's so different. It's like it is like a Rankin Bass stop motion animated special. Like it's all sepia tone coloured. It's all stylized. It's all stop motion, um, or at least like two D, uh, like animation on top of it as well. With the adults being like cast in shadow. It's 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 a really cool set like sequence i thought howard doesn't believe a word of it and decides to go out on his own to get howie jr and beth back armed with a shotgun 
and against the wishes of his family, he steps outside, surrounded by several creepy snowmen. Mm. One of them dressed up like his son. And there's also a creature running around out there as well. They shut the door and decide to barricade it again, as well as keeping the fireplace hot. The little Howie Junior snowman I thought was funny. So they they start believing it because the uh, Tony Collette's character was like, "Look, I saw some shit up there. Yeah, in Get the chim- back inside. Yeah, she saw the gingerbread man in the chimney uh, when she was trying to bring Howie Junior back down. So she starts kind of believing. Tony Collette, I thought, I think is really cool in this film as well. I think she's like convincing as a mother who. Um, in a moment of like dire situations like this, she will pick up a gun or she will pick up an axe like she does. Yeah, I think Tony Collette's really cool. It's now Christmas Eve and Tom is trying to plan a rescue mission as Linda moves all the surviving presents from the burnt tree to the attic for rewrapping. The strange sounds coming from one of the presents, but before she can open it, Sarah asks her to come downstairs as they plan to take the snowplough from down the street as the keys were still in the ignition and use it to escape to the local mall or police station which should be used as an emergency centre. Meanwhile in the attic the presents delivered earlier start rustling, shaking and laughing coming from the inside. Max also spots Krampus using binoculars outside but he quickly vanishes from view. (laughs) Stevie and Jordan head upstairs Aunt Dorothy has clogged the toilet. <laughs> yes. But find themselves lured upstairs by Beth's voice. The family downstairs hear the two girls screaming and rush upstairs to help with Sarah grabbing an axe, leaving Howard hobbling on the ground floor with his shotgun. Tom, Sarah and Linda head to the attic and search around, finding something has burst out of the Christmas tree, as well as an open metal tin with gingerbread men patterns. Mm, ominous. They find the box from a wind-up toy attached to a massive long creature with a plastic clown face but a huge set of jaws which are finishing eating Jordan Hall. This this creature's creepy. Oh, yeah, it's, it's horrible. It's this weird, massive... It's kind of slug-like, but it's covered in like wrapping and packaging because it's come out of a jack-in-the-box. But it's this massive practical effect with these huge jaws... And it's like it's definitely the worst creature. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's salivating. It once it's eaten Jordan though, it's it's like pushing it, um, her shoes like down its throat. It wipes its mouth with a napkin, which <laughs> I thought was a really cute, funny touch. But yeah, this creature's freaky. It, and it moves and it's like lumbering around. It's freaky. Howard is in the kitchen, shot by a nail gun, being wielded by a group of gingerbread men. <laughs> Named Lumpy, Dumpy and Clumpy. So, yeah, these are like uh, a bit of stunt cast voice acting here. So Lumpy is played by Seth Green. Uh, Dumpy is played by Breen Burns, um, who's like a famous voice actor. And Clumpy is voiced by Justin Roiland, uh, otherwise known as Rick and Morty. So they got, they kind of stunt cast these um, voice actors to play these three gingerbread men in this scene. I think that's really funny. In the loft, the parents also find, hiding in the rafters, a living puppet, which is part angel, part owl, that swoops down and attacks. They're also attacked by a frenzied teddy bear with sharp teeth and claws. As the puppet starts trying to stick its long tongue in Sarah's ear, a metal wind-up robot jumps on Tom's back and starts stabbing him with scissors. Yeah, with the exception of the gingerbread men, these are like all practical creatures as well really inventive i think there may be a few cgi shots of the bear but 
yeah, this is like these are all like animatronics. They're all puppet work and things like that. And the the angel, like the owl winged thing, that's freaky as hell as well, <laughs> isn't it? It's really creepy. But when it goes to liquor, it's horrible. Uh, yeah. Howard shoots at an oil lantern on the kitchen table, scattering the gingerbread men, setting them on fire and killing one. The other two, despite being ablaze, charge at him. Howard shoots one, but the last leaps at him, wielding a candy cane dagger. But it's eaten by Rosie, the oh. family dog. Oh, good old Rosie. The parents upstairs aren't lucky enough to have a pet to help them. With Sarah being hung by her neck by Christmas lights by the puppet. Mm. The clown jack-in-the-box escaping through the vents and the bear clawing at Linda. Linda spots an unconscious Stevie laying nearby. And with a surge of strength throws the bear off her. Grabs an icicle hanging above her and stabs it in the eye. Linda <laughs> grabs the axe and cuts Sarah down. Whacks a, the robot attacking Tom, but doesn't reach the jacket box in time as it escapes. But Stevie is still alive. Yeah, this this whole like action scene's really cool. When she, what made me laugh was that when she attacks the bear, uh, the cuddly bear, it makes a little squeaky noise, and the the music as well. It takes like. Um, uh, famous like public domain Christmas songs, but like adds extra like twisted elements to it, makes them sound really frenzied. I love the music uh, in in Krampus; it's really well done. calls for his parents downstairs and they gather in the living room where they can hear the jack-in-the-box crawling through the vents trying to get out. Rosie starts clawing and barking at a nearby hatch and Max opens it for Rosie to get the creature. The ceiling above them starts cracking under the weight of the creature and it crashes into the living room. Yeah, and no sign of Rosie, so I'm guessing... It got eaten. Yeah, I was so sad about poor Rosie. Yeah, so what I'm, a hero. I'm guessing she lost that fight, but yeah... Before Howard can shoot it, the angel puppet swoops down and attacks him. The teddy bear has also appeared, partially blinded, but Aunt Dorothy takes the shotgun and kills it, shoots the puppet. But before she can kill the jack-in-the-box, elves break in through the boarded-up window and attack. I think she swears or something, don't she? Yeah, she, she she can hear them coming in and they break through the window. But Aunt Dorothy gets a hero moment and then is quickly taken away. Aunt Dorothy? Finish it. With pleasure. Oh, shit. He else put out the fire and equipped with metal chains tie up Aunt Dorothy, Howard and baby Chrissy. Everyone else is surrounded, but silence takes over the house and the elves quickly flee through the window. Omi is unable to relight the fireplace as the wind keeps blowing the matches out and the rest of the family decide to make a break for the snowplow. Omi waits for everyone to leave before shutting the door and telling them to be good. Max explains that she wants to face him and the family make their escape. Mm. There's always a family sacrifice in one of these things. Uh, and We're going to get multiple ones of them uh, coming up as well. Lots of sacrifices. Mm. As the living room freezes over and classic Christmas songs play on the radio, Omi stands before the fireplace as Krampus forces his way down the chimney. A hooved creature, ten feet tall, covered in chains, wearing a filthy red outfit, 
with an old face and long beard with two massive horns emerges and stands before Omi. It extends a long bony finger towards her, sticks out a long forked tongue and reaches into the sack that is brought with it. Omi looks inside and is attacked and killed by demonic Christmas toys. What did you think of the the Krampus design? Yeah, he's cool, isn't he? Yeah, it's, it's like basically a dirty, filthy um, anti-Santa, basically. Yeah. He's still got the red cloak and he's got his sack of toys and everything. But yeah, it's, it's wearing a mask as well, like a plastic mask. Uh, and there's like a creature underneath it as well. So yeah, it's, it's a really freaky design. But it looks so cool and it's got a really striking profile as well. Uh, with the horns as well, it's really cool. Uh, the designs for this, the practical effects work, that was done by Weta Workshop as well. Oh, nice! So, so yeah, this is like a, a veteran, uh, yeah. uh, great, great, great craftsman. Outside, the surviving family are running towards the plow, but can hear snarling and roaring behind them. Tom shoots at something under the snow and urges his family to leave. He hugs his wife goodbye, tells his family he loves them, and stays behind to fight off Krampus. But he quickly runs out of ammo and whatever is under the snow drags him under. Sarah, Linda, Max and Stevie reach the plough where the creature grabs Linda and Sarah and kills them both, leaving only the kids left inside the plough. Max tries to turn on the ignition but the plough won't start and they all start attacking the vehicle. Stevie gets taken away by one, but Max manages to fight one off who gets eaten by whatever is hiding under the snow. It don't discriminate. <laughs> Max chases after Stevie, but Krampus lands in front of him. He drops the Krampus bell bauble, which is wrapped up in what remains of his ripped-up letter to Santa. He remembers Omi's story and looks up to find Krampus is gone. So, yeah, so this is basically... It's all his fault, basically, isn't it? Because he lost his Christmas spirit. His whole family has been taken away from him. Uh, I, I really wanted to... When I first saw this film, because like I said, I really loved it when I first saw it, I wanted to get the Krampus Bell Bauble. You can buy it online and from like the Weta Workshop, but it's like £30. And I can't justify £30 for a Christmas decoration, can I? Not until we're rich. Not until we're rich. Then, Or you can buy a pack of four for £60. Oh, I'd be a that's sucker. a good deal. I'd be a sucker not to do it. And then I can give them round to people who I don't like. <laughs> the screen fades to black, but that's not the end of the movie. Ooh. Um, what was it I said at this You were like, that can't be it. That's not the end, is it? Oh, yeah, so that's not the end, is it? Yeah. I would have been disappointed if be- it was. Because I think a lesser film would have ended at that point. But that's not the end. Ooh. As Max runs down the road <laughs> to try and save Stevie... He finds Krampus's sleigh, which has skeletal reindeer in front of it, surrounded by his elves and the jack-in-the-box. Max calls to Krampus, "Hey, asshole!" <laughs> he's you got to respect you got to respect that kid. He's, he's killed all of his family, and he still calls him an asshole. Hey! Asshole! <laughs> Saying he takes back his wish and demands his family back, throwing the bauble at him, which sinks into the snow. Mm. That's rude. He gave you a gift. Exactly. Be grateful for what you're given this Christmas. That was the moral of this story. And Max, once again, you've not listened to that, have you? Mm. The ground cracks open, revealing hell underneath. Krampus stands before the entrance as his elves prepare to throw Stevie down. 
Max offers himself if his family can be returned with Krampus using a long nail at the end of a bony finger to wipe away a tear before laughing at him. I liked this because yeah. I was a... I was getting a bit annoyed when I was like, oh, it's being really nice. I was like, no, if he's really evil, like, let's... I liked that they laughed at him. Yeah, you, th- you thought that it might be an ending where, oh, he gets his family back yeah. as long as he sacrifices himself or something. Yeah, but, same old bullshit. Yeah, but Krampus is like, no, this ain't it, Chief. This ain't that type of story. Um, yeah, I was, get... I was glad at that. Yeah, you're going to hell, kid. He signals to his house to throw Stevie into hell. Krampus then grabs Max by his coat and holds him over the pit. Max apologises, and while Krampus seems to accept it, drops him in anyway. Yeah, go Krampus! <laughs> He's like, oh, I just want Christmas to be like it want, like it used to be. And Krampus is like, uh, yeah, mate, see ya. Um, well, Max, we can't always get what we want. And to be honest, your family are probably going through a very stressful time anyway. We've had several recessions, so you need to just be thankful <laughs> for Christmas anyway, you little shit. Because there's people out there who don't get half of what you get, so stop being ungrateful. Mm. So is there any wonder Krampus came? All because you don't want to forget Santa. Mm. Oh, Max. Max then wakes up in his bedroom on Christmas Day from his nightmare, falling out of bed. I was very disappointed when this happened. It was all a dream. I was like, it better not be, it was all a dream ending, (laughs) because I will be very mad. But yes, it's Christmas, and you have to have a happy ending on Christmas. Why? Because it's Christmas. No! For the same reason that you have to love your family at Christmas. No, you don't. It's just how it is. It's not how it is. He looks out the window to see the storm has cleared the power is back on and his family are gathered downstairs everyone's alive and gathered around the fire full of festive cheer oh yay happy christmas ending omi gives everyone hot chocolate and she wishes max a merry christmas as presents get opened everyone's happy max wishes his parents a merry christmas and opens up a small brown present and inside the bell bauble with krampus written on it the family are silently shocked at the bauble and start remembering everything that happened to them. The camera then pans out of the house, revealed to be inside a glass snow globe surrounded by countless others inside Krampus's workshop. Snow globe up and snow globe as Krampus's toys and elves jump at the camera for a final jump scare. But to be fair, living in that little snow globe is pretty boss. You don't have to pay bills. You, don't have to, you get Christmas every day. Krampus is a great landlord. Yeah. You get Christmas every day. Yeah. They're warm. Mm-hmm. They get in presents. Mm-hmm. They're all enjoying each other's company for once. Mm. So what is bad about that? Um, yeah, I, we'll talk about this in a moment. What did you think of Krampus? Meh. Meh? You hyped it up way too much. I might, well, I have been telling you to watch it for like five years, so yeah. that, that might be on me. But yeah, that I will admit, that ending, like, they're in a snow globe, didn't hit as hard now, now that... Because like, this is the first time I've seen the film in a few years. Because I think you're right, I think it... Like, it seems like they could have got a pretty sweet gig. Max has got his family back there around by Christmas. Yeah. They're just in a snow globe. I think the the fate of them is way too vague to have any sort of horrific implications. Like maybe if like they they had to relive the nightmare that they've been living the past few days. Well, over I'm assuming and over again. they do. I'm assuming it's like Groundhog Day. But even then, it's, it's like. 
they still get a happy ending yeah, there it's because a, it is too vague everybody's back together again but you know it's not quite like real life because of the soft focus yeah it's it, it is like lit like a like uh, any other like bog standard uh, Christmas film, you know, a bit of an orange glow, warm light. Well, like a dream state, yeah. basically. Like it's the soft focusing on it and yeah. like everything. You know, it's not real because it's too mm. soft focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but, uh, but one thing that, like, is uh, yeah, I, I, I apologize if I hyped the film up a bit too much for you, but I want to try and at least make a case for why I really appreciate this film. Because it is, it is like an anti-Christmas film, which you know, it's not exactly edgy, right? It, it's not. It's been there, done that, an anti-Christmas film. Is it an anti-Christmas film, though? To an extent, because because the... I from that, I'm just getting them telling me like I should just be grateful for everything and mm. family. You just got to argue with family and put up with everybody's shit for one day of the year. See, cause blah, the... blah blah blah. See, because yeah, uh, that's like depending on what perspective you view it at, that that can be an issue, and it's not going to resonate with everybody but i think what this film does that i really appreciate personally is that over the course of the film all of the characters in any other movie are making the right decisions they're ba- like they're a family that don't get along they hate each other things like that but in the face of adversity they team up and come together and like they get their hero moments aunt dorothy even though everyone hates her she like gets the shotgun and kills all like loads of the of the um, Krampus's um, helpers and things like that and you get the heroic self-sacrifice and Max even stands up to Krampus at the end in any other movie this is all of the right stuff that they're doing in order to win in a conventional story but this is taking the formulaic idea of Christmas and doing the right thing and saying yeah even though you do, you, you've done the right thing you don't get a happy ending because it's just that type of story and that's that's something that I really appreciated, even though I, that is a very subjective reading of it. That's not going to resonate with everybody. But it's the idea that you know the the dad has the heroic self sacrifice. He he even kind of makes amends with his wife, who they've been a bit distant, and he's working over Christmas and stuff like that. It's taking conventional narratives, and even though they have their redemption arcs, even the the brothers in law, who uh, grow to appreciate and like each other, they they still lose because that's just the type of story that this is well yeah because that's real life like yeah. real life is like that yes it's it... not all happy and like i beg to differ that if you were faced with this situation that the humans would actually band together if you hated each other maybe not in real life but you but you have seen this formula in loads of other like horror films as well and christmas films where they come together as a family they unite and they win because that's just how these stories go but this isn't a Christmas film. This is a Krampus film. This isn't Santa. This is his shadow. This is Krampus. Um, and for me, that really... Yeah, I just found that really effective. And because it's so steeped in all of this Christmas iconography and it takes all um, all the public domain Christmas songs and warps it in the soundtrack and stuff like that. Maybe it's because I just... When I first saw this film five years ago, I'd not seen anything else like it. Like I've seen like subversive films, but to like do it so well and commit so hard to the aesthetic and the feel of it, it just really struck a chord with me, and I really appreciated it. I liked it. Mm. I just wasn't blown away by it. No, no, and that's fair enough. But like, you prefer trick or treat, don't you? Yeah, I prefer this, but I still love I still love trick or treat. I think, but I think that this is um, writer director Michael Doherty taking everything he learnt on trick or treat and bumping it up a few more notches. I think um, 
I like the practical effects are brilliant. I think I think it's the cast are really strong. I think Tony Collette is like the silent MVP of this film. She's really terrific, and I think the child actors are really great as well. And yeah, this film just really works for me, which is why I suggested it. Maybe watch. Yeah, it. I just don't get why people force. Like, if they don't like each other, why are they coming round? Like, just because it's Christmas. Yeah. Like, I don't... I get that as the setup. Like, if the family was still, over the course of the whole film, fighting against each other, and it and it still was trying to be like, oh, they've, you know, you should still love your family, even though they're fighting and they hate each other throughout the course of the film, I'd see that I think you'd be absolutely right. But because all of this supernatural stuff is happening, and they do come together, it kind of justifies it, I think. But yeah, if if this was just these people come to visit for Christmas, nothing supernatural happens, and they just hate each other over the three or four days, that would absolutely be an issue. <laughs> yeah, like if it was like Aunt Dorothy's clogged up the toilet and now everyone hates each other, and that it's that's just the film. But it's a it's a base under siege. It's like the thing basically when they all have to yeah. when they all have to help each other. It's the thing, but at Christmas. <laughs> but yeah, like so, yeah. No, don't get me wrong. I do like it and. Um, I'm just not a huge fan of Christmas films, but I suppose, like you say, this is a cool, different take on Christmas. Like, mm. I think there's only like four Christmas films I watch. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah, because like, it's yeah. I, I think it's something that is an acquired taste, but I think if you like it, you'll really like it. I liked it, but I'm not like over like. I don't love it. Mm. I, yeah, it's it's. I this may just seem like me just salivating all over this film now. But yeah, when I, when I watch it, and then when like Max is just he's lost his whole family and he's just like crying in the slow snowplow, I find myself getting a little bit a little bit turned up because this is well not not, not turned up, but I just find myself like a little lump in my throat because of it's played so well and they play like a a different version of um, Silent Night over that scene as well. So it's like really ironic and quite sad. But, it's, but it plays it so earnestly where, oh, this is now when Max gets out and he escapes and everything. But nope, not that film. Krampus is here. I think my problem is I didn't like any of the characters. None of them? No. I, <sighs> don't, I don't care about any of them. Not even Adam Scott with his... I cared about Rosie. Uh, uh, what, the dog? Yeah. Oh, no. Not even Omi? No. Oh, fair enough, yeah. I, yeah, I liked most of the characters and the ones who I didn't like either got a redemption moment or were swiftly eaten. By a Jack in the Box. Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't feel that sort of connection with it that you've got. No, fair enough. Um, but let's let's find those films which you do have the connection for. What is your Christmas rotation like? What do you watch every year? I love the Grinch. Mm-hmm. The Jim Carrey Grinch, yeah. Yeah, the Jim yeah, Carrey yeah. one. That's my favourite. Mm-hmm. Um, I really relate to the Grinch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, I like Elf. I know that's Ooh. a feel-good one, but yeah. I think that hit me at the right age when it came out. Elf probably. is just really good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Can mm-hmm. we class that one? I think you can, absolutely. Um, and I'm ashamed to say I really like Love Actually. I think, I think... That is one of the only like rom-coms that I actually like. I think Love Actually is an easy target, but I like it as well. I, yeah, I, I won't like feel something missing in my heart if I don't watch it every year. But, no. if, but if it's on, I'll check it out, and I, I, yeah, I like it. Still get mad at Alan Rickman every year. Oh, every year, just what without a, fail. What a dickhead! 
I mean the character, I mean the character, not Alan. Yeah, Rickman. the yeah. Ca- the character yeah. he plays. From what I can tell, Alan Rickman was a treasure. Muppets Christmas Carol for me. Watch that every year. It's a Wonderful Life. Makes me cry oh. every time. I've watched. You made me watch it once, and I'm not interested. I think it's this whole. I like need, I need to stop recommending you Christmas films. I think the yeah. <laughs> the problem is I don't like this whole narrative that's pushed for Christmas, where you've got to be a better person and like. Like, just be a nice person, full stop. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's Christmas, you've got to get along. No, no, mm-hmm. I haven't. Mm-hmm. Just because it's Christmas, no. I don't have to forgive you. It's I... just this whole bollocks of, like, helping one another at Christmas time. No, let's help each other all year round. But... There's still homelessness all year round. But that's kind of why I thought you'd appreciate Krampus. Because it's like... Oh no, just because you all came together on this Christmas to help each other doesn't mean you get a happy ending. We're still going to drop you into hell. Yeah, I suppose that was good. I liked, I did like that they were like, weren't saved and that Krampus actually laughed at him and was like, ha, your tears do nothing, yeah. child. Did, I really liked that. Yeah, he like even toys with him for a second. He wipes yeah. the tear away and he's, hmm, <laughs> Yeah, I did, yeah, I did like that, I yeah. suppose. I just thought they could have had a worse ending. Being kept in a snow globe's not that bad, but mm, free heating. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, yeah, I, I agree with you about the ending. But I, yeah, but for some reason, but I did like it... I did like that it turned it on its head, like you say, like oh, they did everything right, they all came together, but you still lose. Yeah, like yeah, that that's a good premise. I like that. Yeah, and that I don't think I've seen another Christmas film do that. Mm. Like I've I've seen lots of horror films do that type of thing, but not something so steeped in the festive spirit like at least in terms of like everything else but i think it's kind of a testament to michael doherty's range as a director although i didn't like his last film he did the godzilla the last godzilla film which i thought was i can't remember from last year did it have brian cranston in it no that was that was um, the gareth edwards one but yeah it was the one from last year um yeah it's not very good Bring back monsters. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's the um, the alternative ending for Krampus, where King Kong comes in and, yeah. and, and takes but, over. Yeah. I mean, Maybe he should start doing other holiday films. You know, he's he's tackled Halloween. Mm. He's tackled Christmas. How, what about Valentine's Day well, next? Well, or one, like, um, well, at one point Howard says like um, a rabid Easter bunny because he's making fun of Omi's like fairy yeah. tale story. So maybe that one. Yeah. Are, are there, yeah. Well, so, but you say. Um, what was the one you suggested? Sorry, Valentine's. Valentine's. That'd be cool. Someone who like rips out your heart. Yeah. Mm. But um, yeah, in terms of just other stuff around this film, there was a graphic novel that came out around the same time as well called um, Krampus: Shadow of Saint Nicholas. Uh, and there's been like a lot of merchandising surrounding this film because it's become a bit of a cult like classic in it to an extent. It didn't do well at the box office when it came out. So that's everything around Krampus, at least as far as I can tell. So. Yeah, that that was my festive suggestion. Last week we watched Anna and the Apocalypse, which was also mm. a, a, a lot of fun, a, a festive, horror-filled Christmas movie. That was a lot of fun. Two very different films, but I hope that you enjoyed these Christmas specials for the Monster Monday podcast. And we're going to be taking a couple of weeks off, and we're going to be coming back again in 2021 Ooh. with some more uh, horrific, uh, horrifying, spooky, scary films. So we'll be doing that again in the beginning of January. 
We'll start the Wheel of Fortune again. Yes, we will, yes. Uh, But in the meanwhile, in the meantime... You can check out all our other episodes. You can, yes, uh, because we've got like nearly 30 episodes. So you've got a few weeks to to get caught up on the back catalogue to listen to all of those before we start again next year. But once you've done all of... If you've listened to all of the episodes, firstly, thank you very much. And I apologise for my ramblings. But in the meanwhile, where can you follow us on social media, just in case you wanted to keep the conversation going? And also, we'll do that poll about the tartan Christmas wrapping paper. Oh, no. Yeah, so no. It, is it's it... It's no, no, no. Is it, or I think it's ho, ho, ho. But you, you folks can be the judge. But where can you find those polls yet? So what, what's our social media? Twitter is MonsterMonPod. Instagram is MonsterMondoPod. And Facebook is the same as Instagram. So, thank you very much for being with us on the first year of Monster Monday. Well, six months. Yeah, the the first calendar year of Monster Monday. Have a great Christmas. Yep. Uh, Or whatever you celebrate, even if you don't celebrate it, have a lovely festive period. Yes, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Mm -hmm. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. (laughs) That's 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 on loop, basically. It's my favourite Christmas song. Yeah. So, have a fantastic New Year. I love celebrating New Year. I don't know why, I just do. Maybe it's because I like getting drunk. Yeah, exactly. So, there's just a, a stint between Christmas and New Year where just you're seeing triple, basically. <laughs> I mean, last last New Year was the best New Year I think we've had ever. Mm-hmm. We spent it on a rooftop watching fireworks with some great friends. Mm-hmm. We were all very, very merry. Yeah. Beautiful fireworks, yep. having a fab time, a fab party. You could hug, you could kiss people, mm-hmm. you could touch people. <laughs> uh, little did we know what, what the year had in store for us. Oh, dear. Mm. Um, let's hope this new year brings some more positivity. We can touch each other again mm-hmm. and hug and stuff. Um, and I hope that if you find this time of year difficult because I know a lot of people do and find it very lonely please know that we are just a message away we are always here for you mm-hmm. um, and you've got us yeah we're a friendly friendly little well I say friendly I'm not that friendly yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. come across as that friendly <laughs> you, you, you relate you relate more to Krampus and the Grinch than, <laughs> yeah, than, than, the than anyone else yeah <laughs> um but know that um, we're here if you ever feel you need to talk to somebody or you're on your own. Just just pop us in your ears and give us a listen. Hopefully we'll try and make you laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a particularly tough last few Christmases for my family um, and for myself and my family. And um, this year has been no exception. Mm. But this is our first Christmas with Winnie. But yeah, this on the positive, this is our first Christmas with our second baby, Winnie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, from Monster Monday, have a fabulous Christmas. And, and a happy, happy new, new year. year. So, my name is Will. My name is Yaz. And thanks for listening to the Monster Monday podcast in 2020. We'll see you next year. Bye. Bye.